Well, hello, I'm Doug Apple, back with another special interview for you today. And President's Day is coming up. Do you know when that is? Well, I'll tell you, it's February 19th is President's Day. And so we're going to be remembering George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. But I'm on the phone line with Mike Sharman. He says there's a couple other presidents we ought to remember when we think about President's Day. And so we're going to talk just a little bit about the United States of America and the foundations we are built on. Meanwhile, it's pretty common to look around and say, I think our country's going to you know where in a handbasket. Well, is it or what are we supposed to do about it? Let's talk about America a little bit today with Mike Sharman. Let me introduce Mike. He's the legal counsel for Share Healthcare. We've been talking about Share Healthcare here on Wave 94. They bought a little airtime. You've heard their ads. Maybe you've heard our conversations with Mike Sharman. If you missed those, you can check out the Share Healthcare podcast for past conversations. But as we're talking about the United States of America, we talk about perhaps the... Uh, dismal times that we seem to be living in. But let's talk about President's Day, the foundations of the country. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Mike Sharman, including to talk about other presidents that we ought to remember, not just Washington and Lincoln, on President's Day. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate it. You know, and as the legal counsel for Share Healthcare, we're always wanting to promote freedom. You know, Share Healthcare's three foundations are medical freedom, financial freedom, and religious freedom. And if we aren't exercising those freedom muscles, we're going to lose them, and then we won't be able to have share health care. And one of the best ways of beginning to exercise those muscles is look back to when we were really muscular. Look back to when we had uh, our freedoms, or when we were working for them, or when we were wondering, well, what do those freedoms really represent? So... You know, we have, as you mentioned, we have President's Day coming up on the 19th, which no president was born on February 19th. Uh, it used to be that we had the two, President's Day for Lincoln on the 12th of February, and then uh, Washington's birthday on the 22nd. Those were two separate holidays, and then they merged them. But, you know, there's four presidents that we've had that have a birthday in February. So we can think of it as President's Month. Uh, that's Washington and Lincoln, William Henry Harrison, and Ronald Reagan. Um, and, you know, our, our president is our chief executive officer of our nation. And when they come into office, the first official act they have is to take the oath of office. And then the next official act they have is to give an inaugural address. So their, their oath of office is written in the Constitution. At, at Article 2, Section 1, Clause 8, that oath is right there. And every single president has taken it and must take it. Otherwise, they're, they're not a valid president. So here's that oath. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Now, isn't that interesting that it says they're going to preserve the Constitution of the United States, they're going to protect the Constitution of the United States, and they're going to defend the Constitution of the United States? Well, a number of striking things about that oath. It's not preserve, protect, and defend the United States. Mm -hmm. Because the founders knew without our Constitution... 
we're just like any other nation at the at that time, which was either a dictatorship, a a tribal a gathering, um, a dictatorship, monarchy. There was there was no other democratic nation on the face of the earth, and so they knew that what made it uh, an independent and free nation and would continue to make it that way was the constitution, mm. the the rule of law under God. Not just the rule of law, monarchs had that, but the rule of law under God. Well, monarchs would claim divine right, but this was the rule of God under the New Testament, the new covenant, in which we're all endowed by our creator with an annual right among these life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. How come I'm saying that's the New Testament one? Well, because the New Testament tells us a number of different ways, a number of different places of our equality. You know, um, we're neither Scythian nor Greek nor barbarian, uh, neither slave nor free nor male nor female, but we're all one in Christ. That's about as equal uh, protection, equality. Uh, we're all endowed sort of uh, verses you can get. So George Washington was that first president and, you know, the Constitution doesn't say that you're to do an inaugural address. But he figured, as the first democratically elected leader in the world, in all of history, that he ought to give a statement to the people, which he did. So he was born on February 22nd, 1732, uh, just, oh, maybe 70, 80 miles from where I am now. You know, a lot of people think, well, he was born in Mount Vernon. Well, no, he was born on what we call the Northern Neck in, in Westmoreland County on Pope's Creek. Um, and then he moved later to Mount Vernon, which had been his brother's home until his brother died and then passed it on to him. So Washington in that first inaugural, it's uh, one of the shortest inaugurals. Um, and he began pretty much by saying it would be peculiarly improper to omit in this first official act my fervent supplications to that almighty being who rules over the universe, who presides in the council of a nation, and whose providential aids can supply every human de defect, that his benediction may consecrate to the liberties and happiness of the people of the United States, the government, that's that constitutional thing again, a government instituted by themselves for these essential purposes, and may enable every instrument employed in its administration to execute with success the functions allotted to his charge. And then he talks about immediately the next sentence. He talks about how he assumes that is the common belief of everybody else that he's talking to. He says, in, in tendering this homage to the great author, in capital G, capital A, meaning God, to the great author of every public and private good, I assure myself that it expresses your sentiment, not less than my own, nor those of my fellow citizens at large less than either. What we need to be doing today to be able to make sure we preserve, protect, and defend our freedoms and our Constitution is to proclaim the gospel to our neighbors, to our family, to ourselves in the mirror every morning, and remind ourselves that it is the rule of law under God, the grace and the mercy, the discipline and the control that biblical life should have individually, community-wise, and as a nation. And when we do, we're going to just have so many less problems and so much more freedom. Well, when we think about freedom 
and the right to pursue happiness, for example. (laughs) Then we look at our current headlines, which leave people feeling so much in despair. What can we do about that? We always need to keep in mind that rule of law under God. We don't have um, true liberty without it being Christ-filled. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So, the people who are um, in a homosexual relationship, transgendering, the people who are having sequential abortions, um, they're not in liberty. They're in a prison, and it is necessarily going to work to their detriment. You know, I can give just all sorts of statistics about the harm to a person from abortion. Obviously, there's the, the death of the, the baby. But the person that is having the abortion has enormous harm. The children they already have, because many who are aborting children have children already, they have a, there's a detriment to them that's demonstrable and um, observable, even if they don't know the abortion occurred. To the the family structure, you know, a a woman who has an abortion is much more likely to lose her uh, boyfriend, fiance, husband, than one who has who carries a crisis pregnancy to term. So abortion is not good. It is not liberty. It puts the person in prison. It, it's a public detriment, not a public good. Homosexuality, uh, the mortality rate for homosexuals is is much lower. Or the they die at an earlier age than do non-homosexuals. They have a higher violence rate within their relationships. The couple group that has the highest domestic violence rate are lesbians. How many people see that in the headline? So liberty does not mean that we're allowed to uh, put public um, detriments out there. It does not mean that we want to open up to chaos or harm. You know, we're mentioning about, well, what are the headlines? Well, the headlines during Washington's time is, we doubt seriously this nation is going to survive. Mm-hmm. The people in America had serious doubts whether it was going to survive, and the foreign nations really worried about it. Uh, England was pretty positive they weren't going to be able to, which is why we had the War of 1812, because they figured, okay, um, the thrill of success for America is over, and now the hard part has um, sunk in, and we can just go in, capture the capital, and we'll, we'll win, and we'll be able to take it back over as a colony. Well, that looked like it would work for a while, but then the people roused and it did not succeed. So William Henry Harrison was the next uh, president that uh, in our February president, and he was born February 9th, 1773, also a Virginian. Uh, he was born at Berkeley in Virginia, Berkeley, Charles City County. Now, the interesting thing about Berkeley also is that his um that is his family plantation, and it is also the site of the first American Thanksgiving. It preceded the Thanksgiving uh, at um, Plymouth, and it was, um, you know, there was a, the company that had sent out the uh, colonists had told them, when you first land, then have a Thanksgiving. And so this was one of the first landings from that company that sent them out. And so they had the Thanksgiving there. So that's at Berkeley Plantation, um, which still has a Thanksgiving festival every year. 
so his uh, one of his forebears was Benjamin Harrison, who was the signer of the Declaration, and then the uh, Harrison's son was in Congress, and so it was a a big um, big public um, support family. Benjamin Harrison, his grandson William Henry Harrison's grandson, became the twenty third president. So, what did he have to say about it at his inaugural? Well, he he made a pretty bad mistake at his inaugural. He was very um, florid in his comments. He was an effusive speaker. Uh, he has the dual distinction of being having given the longest inaugural speech and serving the shortest term of office. And those two things are connected. Mm. Because he gave that longest speech, hour and 45 minutes, in a snowstorm and caught pneumonia and died one month later. But he still proclaimed the God of the Bible over our nation in his first official act. He says the American citizen derives from no charter granted by his fellow man. He claims his rights because he is himself a man fashioned by the same almighty hand as the rest of his species and entitled to a full share of the blessings with which he has endowed them. Now, isn't that what we need to be thinking constantly? Now, I just uh, had mentioned a little while ago harsh facts about the impact of abortion, harsh facts about the impact of homosexuality and sexual morality. But the people that are suffering from that are entitled to the same right of the rule of law under God and the same kindness that we would want to express to others. But enabling is not kindness. Mm -hmm. Enabling is cruelty. Giving them good, solid information that they can use and go from. The spiritual information of Jesus loves you, you can never go so far down that he can't lift you up. Well, and there's another headline currently about enabling, and that's going on in Portland, where they legalized most drugs. Mm -hmm. They just declared a state of emergency because it had attracted so many drug users and drug sellers. Like they couldn't arrest a drug pusher like the old days because they're trying to do the compassionate thing. But really what they were doing was the enabling thing. It didn't work. And, of course, when you basically enable the flesh, the flesh just grows. Well, in a different headline uh, this morning is out of New York. You know, New York as a state, New York City as a city had uh, wanted to be compassionate toward the incarcerated and compassionate toward immigrants. Mm -hmm. And their view of compassion was not helping them to understand you don't do these things. You don't do illegal things. Uh, their idea of compassionate was enabling them. Mm -hmm. And so famously, New York has that uh, no bail provision for nonviolent offenses, but because no violent, no nonviolent one can get bail, period, that's created essentially a no bail view for all crimes. And they've been putting in the judges and prosecutors for that. So there were uh, a couple immigrants, illegal immigrants, that had attacked New York City policemen, attacked them for no reason. They weren't being arrested. They just attacked them. And they were then arrested, brought before a judge, and released with no bail. Hmm. And as they left, 
they lifted up their middle finger salute, mm-hmm. which was they they hadn't symbolically been doing that, but then they literally did it. Well, well, that's just a direct result of the lawmakers enabling wrongdoing. Yeah. And making a mistake between thinking, well, we just want to help them. We want to be compassionate. It is not helpful to not discipline. Because remember, the, the root word of discipline is teaching. You know, a, d- a disciple is a student. Discipline is teaching. Well, we don't teach people if we don't discipline them when they do the wrong thing. Do you think it's the lawmakers who are enabling or are they listening to a certain loud segment of their constituency and thinking, oh, wow, okay, this is what we better do? Both. Both. You have a whole lot of activists in legislatures such as New York that are intentionally wanting to undo the American system. You remember that uh, line out of Shakespeare, first thing we do, we kill all the lawyers? Mm-hmm. Well, that was said by two anarchists who were wanting to uh, theorize, how do we undo the government? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing we do is we kill all the lawyers. So the first thing you do is you kill law and the rule of law under God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you replace the rule of law under God with just rules that favor the ones you want to favor, mm-hmm. as opposed to f- being equal for everybody. You know, it's ironic, I think it's terribly ironic, that Nancy Pelosi was accosted by um, a number of people demonstrating at her home on uh, pal- about the Palestinian effort, mm-hmm. you know, ceasefire, et cetera. And sh- they were just shouting at her. I mean, they're just right there at her shouting at her about this. And then she said, go back to China <laughs> to your bosses there. Huh. Because, and she was asked, well, what do you mean about that? Well, she said, it's communist. You know, this is being promoted by (laughs) Marxist strategy. I was like, Nancy, you know what I mean? You're going to flip to become a Republican here all of a sudden? Hmm. Um, Because that uh, has been a flashing neon light for so long of a lot of these principles um, that are just a Marxist strategy to undo our nation, to undo the rule of law under God to weaken the American forces, um, weaken the only democracy in the Middle East. Um, so anyway, I thought that was terribly ironic. Yeah, that's very interesting. So the the next president in our nation's history that was a February president was Abraham Lincoln, February 12th, 1809. Uh, he was born in Hardin, Kentucky. Um, and, He had read the Bible over and over and over, might have been considered a cultural Christian up until the presidency, but he says he did not become, he did not become a heart Christian, let's say, until he was in the presidency and had, as he phrased it, nowhere else to go but his knees. Mm. Um, But one thing he said in his first inaugural, which is really a powerful statement. Um, well, let me give you two things. He says, if the, this member now, right as he was being inaugurated, so was Jefferson Davis in the uh, Confederacy. And the Civil War was just beginning to open up. 
And he said, if the almighty ruler of nations, with his eternal truth and justice, be on your side of the north or on yours of the south, that truth and that justice will surely prevail by the judgment of this great tribunal of the American people. And then he said, my countrymen, one and all, and he was always trying to unify, my countrymen, one and all, he's talking to both the north and the south, Mm -hmm. think calmly and well upon this whole subject. Nothing valuable can be lost by taking time, intelligence, patriotism, Christianity, and a firm reliance on him with a capital H, a firm reliance on him who has never yet forsaken this favored land are still competent to adjust in the best way all our present difficulty. I was just reading this morning in a different uh, history book uh, the analysis of the North versus South, their strengths. And they mentioned the economic things, the railroad tracks, all these different differences. And they said, but you know, what it really comes down to is that Abraham Lincoln was a great Civil War president and Jefferson Davis was just a mediocre one. Hmm. And, you know, Lincoln had just said, well, if, if God is on your side in the north or on yours of the south, that truth and that justice will surely prevail by the judgment of this great tribunal of the American people. But it will surely prevail because God is the God mm-hmm. of eternal truth and justice. And there was no way that slavery could win out. Mm-hmm. It is just so totally contrary to New Testament theology. It, it can't win. And uh, it didn't. Uh, and Lincoln was infused with that idea. And Jefferson Davis had the exact opposite. The U.S. Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, both were written in a time that was had as a main thread slavery, but it was a thread. It was a thread that continued through our, our American history, and we're still having the repercussions of it today, but it is just a thread in the cloth of our nation, in the fabric of our nation. Now, it's, it's one that is a real problem, and it's been the weakest thread. You know, it's where the tears occur, et cetera. But our Constitution and the Declaration have in them the goal of freedom for everyone. Mm-hmm. The goal of freedom for everyone. It has within it the, the best ideals of our, our Christian walk, whereas the Confederate Constitution did not. It had the opposite. It perpetuated and made it impossible to undo slavery. It mandated that all people in the, in the South return escaped slaves, whether they wanted to or not. And, and one thing to remember is the majority of, of Southerners did not have slaves. So there was a, a lot of people that did not agree with slavery, um, and yet here they are in the South, and they're being forced to go along with this whole slave mentality under the uh, slavery mentality, under the Confederacy. So there's no way the Confederacy over time was going to win. And Lincoln's um, speeches throughout always assumed that end result, even as he was extraordinarily stressed by the fear that um, they they just might not succeed as a, a northern army. So Ronald Reagan was our uh, last in our history of a uh, February president, even though his birthday is the one that comes first in February, February 6th, and he was born in, in Illinois. I mean, his dad was a shop clerk and a merchant, you know, 
Frank Reagan didn't have all these great uh, advantages. They're just regular public schools, small college, just worked his way up uh, as a radio sports announcer and then on up into television and then movies um, and then to the um, uh, the governorship of California and the presidency. And he mentioned in his inaugural, I am told that tens of thousands of prayer meetings are being held on this day, and for that I am deeply grateful. We're a nation under God, and I believe God intended for us to be free. It would be fitting and good, I think, if on each inauguration day in future years, it should be declared a day of prayer. Well, wouldn't that be great? Hmm. He says, the crisis we are facing today, because remember, he learned on the podium at the inauguration that the hostages that Iran had been holding, the 52 American hostages that Iran had been holding for 440 days, 444 days, had been freed. Why had they been freed? Because um, Jimmy Carter was no longer president and Ronald Reagan was. Hmm. That, that was the reason they were freed. Um, but that was not yet known to the public, and he was not going to announce it in his inauguration, even though he received, he and Jimmy Carter received that note as they were sitting on the inauguration uh, podium. Hmm. Um, and he said, the crisis we're facing today does require our best effort and our willingness to believe in ourselves and to believe in our capacity to perform great deeds and to believe that together with God's help, we can and will resolve the problems which now confront us. Well, Reagan was always described as the great communicator, and he is. And that communication spans the decades between his era and ours. And we still can, with God's help, confront the problems and fix the problem that beset us. But we can't do it on our own. And God does not work without man. He wants to work in fellowship with man. So we need to be active. We need to be presenting the gospel. And then we need to be living it out and carrying it out in our public life. And so as you are, as a representative of Share Healthcare, now how are you going to tie presidents and all these President Day uh, quotes you've been giving us into Share Healthcare? Exercising one freedom helps you get to the other freedoms. Share Healthcare is a 501c3 Christian ministry that helps people collectively, Christians together collectively, share one another's health care expenses. Health care is either our first or our second highest uh, expense item in our family budget. Um, and so there's a great need for it. And we help families with that because of our very good affordability. It's 149 for a single, 249 for a couple, 349 for a family of four, and $50 for each child after that. And as I mentioned before, we want to assist people in medical freedom, financial freedom, and religious freedom. So when we are doing that and it's being seen to be effective, we see it's effective, our neighbors see it's effective, our communities do, our state, then that gets people looking around thinking, well, if we begin exercising freedom under God in, in another area, how will that help? And that is how we can begin taking back our culture one step at a time. Share healthcare is a, a healthcare ministry, but it is a tool, a vehicle for changing the culture first and foremost. 
Well, if people want more information about Share Healthcare, what do they need to do? Remember our name, Share Healthcare, and then go to our website, sharehealthcare.com. Look around the website, uh, click on all the tabs, be writing down your questions as you go, and then call 1-844-SHARE-HC, 1-844-SHARE-HC. And you can ask the person on the other end all the questions. Uh, You can sign up with them. Uh, If you're talking through it with them, it might take 15 minutes if you wanted to do that on the website, because you can just join directly from the website. It'll take you about five minutes. So, sharehealthcare.com or 1-844-SHARE-HC. Well, as we come up towards President's Day, if you want to exercise one of your freedoms, this is your opportunity to (laughs) check out Share Healthcare. Also, save yourself a lot of money. And there are many other reasons that uh, Share Healthcare might be just the right thing for you and your family. So you can find that information at sharehealthcare.com. You've been listening to Mike Sharman. And for Wave 94, I'm Doug Apple.